0: This morning is our children's word of prayer as you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Father God, this morning we approach your throne of mercy and of grace, Father, in in need. Um, Lord, we recognize, even in the act of prayer, that uh, we are admitting to ourselves and to you and to those around us that we need you. Uh, We are needful people this morning and we are thankful that we serve a God and a Father who loves to lavishly give to his children. And so this morning we ask that you would help us. Lord, we love you. Pray you would be made much of today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Um, As you turn there, I want to read to you a quote from Ben Patterson in his book, Deepening Your Conversation with God. This is what he said. He says, churches can run without prayer. Whole denominations can run without prayer. The question is, is what they're doing worth doing if they can do it without prayer? This morning's sermon title is, A Prayer, the Lifeline of a Life Well-Lived. The Lifeline of a Life Well-Lived Uh, But let's look at the text this morning, Matthew chapter 6. This is Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount. Here's what he says, uh, starting in verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. this morning we're going to do things a bit different, right? Generally, I stand up here for about 40 minutes and I will um, I will open the scriptures and say, thus saith the Lord uh, according to the scriptures. But this morning, uh, our topic is on prayer. And if we're honest with ourselves, and, and this is the most honest place on earth, or at least it should be the most honest place on earth, is, is that oftentimes a lot of us would say we're not very good at it. We're not very good at prayer. And, as I was thinking through this and thinking through our series of A Life Well Lived and what it means to, to get to the end of our life and look back and say, yeah, that was a, that was a good life. Or to, to get into, in front of the Father on that last day and to hear Him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I wonder if, if we could say that, that He would say that of us if we actually never communed with Him, never talked with Him, never prayed to Him. So this morning, he'll just give you the flow of where we're going. We're going to look at what is prayer, uh, why prayer is available, <clears throat> uh, should we pray, and then how to pray. And then we're going to spend the last 15, 20 minutes just praying. And he'd be like, well, Pastor, that's going to be kind of awkward. We're all just going to sit here quietly and, yeah, yeah. Because he, he longs to hear us, church. He longs to hear you. But before we get there, let's, let's look at what is prayer? What is it? According to one definition, prayer is the direct conversation and communion with God. Think about it. Prayer is the direct conversation and communion with God. Let us sink in for a minute. The God who created the heavens, the God who spoke everything into existence has opened His ear for you. His creation. He longs to hear from you. He longs to spend time with you. You have an open invitation before the King of kings and Lord of lords. This is what prayer is. Prayer is uh, simply relying on God. As I said in the opening prayer, like, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a willing admonition, a willing uh, saying of ourselves, a w- understanding who we are before God, that we are needy people, that we need Him. This is what prayer is. We need God. It's, it's, it's realizing that, that we have something in which we need, which we cannot produce within ourselves. But prayer is. It's, it's willing to converse with the one who wants to converse with us. But prayer is more than that. There's all kinds of different prayers in the scriptures. Let me just give you a, a, a few of them. Uh, you have the prayer of petition. This is the one we're most common with, probably the, the prayer of petition. It's, it's going before our God with a need in hand. Generally of, of something that we need. It could be a prayer of, 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 of help in a time of need. Or it could be as simple as trying to find a parking spot at Meijer. A, it's a petition before our God that, that we need something that we cannot produce in ourselves. But there's other kinds of prayers as well. There's the prayer of thanksgiving. of Simply looking to God and thanking Him for all that He's done for us. There's the prayer of intercession, which is like the prayer of petition, except instead of asking for something that we need, it's for somebody else. So most of the time when we send out prayer chain calls here, and by the way, if you're not on that prayer chain call list and you want to be, uh, we send out maybe one or two prayers a month that we ask the church to kind of rally around and pray for. Those are intercessory prayers. Now, now just think about this. Think, just conceptually think with me here. Most of us don't pray because we don't actually believe it changes things. I, I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure that that's true. Either we think, well, God's fixing his ways, he's going to do whatever it is he wants to do, and our prayers don't actually change things. Or we simply say, well, why would God actually listen to me? We don't actually believe prayer changes things, but the word is clear, the scriptures are clear, that it's because we pray that God actually moves it's because we pray that God actually moves in the lives of those around us. This is the prayer of intercession. There's, there's another one. There's a, it's a, the a prayer of cursing. This is, uh, this is, this is weird, right? Um, we, we see this all the time in scriptures. We're not actually quite clear of, like, how do we handle that, right? The, the, the prayer of calling down God to curse somebody else. You're like, yeah, pastor, that's what I want. Lord, curse these fools, we're not, we're not we're quite sure how, to, how do we, how we handle that and handle the Jesuses, right? Here's the way you think about it, right? All of your enemies in life, here's the way you should pray about them. Lord, Father, I pray that you turn these people and turn them into brothers and sisters. Or, at the end of time, that your justice would be meted out. That's an okay prayer to pray. You read the Psalms. The psalms are like, Lord, kill these people. We'll wipe them off the face of the earth. Right? That's what the psalms say. They're honest. and So we should be honest in our prayers. This is what prayer is. It's, it's simply taking all of our needs, all of our wants, all of our desires, all of our admonitions, all of our adorations before the king of kings. What, in, what enables this prayer? My, my sermon notes didn't save here, by the way. But, so turn with me to Hebrews Hebrews chapter 4. What, what, what enables this kind of prayer? Like, why do we have access to this? Hebrews chapter 4. Look at verse 1. This is what it says. This is, this is the, the writer uh, of the, the book of Hebrews, and he's just got done talking about how Jesus is this great high priest. He's replaced all the priests that's come before him. There's no need for another great high priest. And in, in chapter 4, he's speaking specifically about entering into the rest which God has for his people. And then he comes into verse 14, and he, here's what he says. He says, since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. He's saying, okay, so since everything I've laid up to this point since Jesus is greater than the angels is what he says in chapter 1 and chapter 2. Since he's greater than the angels, since he's allowed this way of rest for us, since he is this great high priest and because he's passed through the heavens Jesus, the Son of God let us hold fast. He says, we, because this is true we can hold fast this confession. If you ever want to do a study of the book of Hebrews, look up that, that phrase, let us hold fast, right? He repeats it over and over and over again. And here's what he says in verse 15. He says, "For," he said, "Let's Let's hold fast this confession because we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. He says, Jesus was a man like you and I. He faced this world. He faced temptations. He faced trials. He faced heartache. He faced everything that you and I face. And yet, he didn't sin. He did it all without sin. The perfect man. This is the, 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 the better Adam. This is the better Moses. The better Abraham. This is the one who, without sin. This is the better Israel. All of these people in the Old Testament fall and fall and fall again every time the Lord's command on them is the same. Don't sin. And here's Jesus, the only one who could actually live this life. But notice, this isn't where he stops. He finishes his thesis. all of this because Jesus is the high priest in which, who sympathizes with us, who understands us, who yet wasn't tempted or wasn't, didn't sin like us. Verse 16 let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I don't know if you've ever thought about like, why you're allowed to pray. But this is the reason. Like This is the reason. The reason, the ability that God actually will hear your voice when you're speaking with Him is because of Jesus' work on the cross. You see, it was Jesus' blood on the cross that actually opened up the way for you to have access to this God. This God who is holy and righteous and justice, and who will not let the, uh, uh, the sinner go unpunished. This God longs to hear from you because of what Jesus has done. This should change the way we actually think about prayer because we, it's no longer like, well... I sinned the day, so I better stay away from the Father. How many of you ever like uh, sin against somebody? A couple head nods. A couple like, am I supposed to raise my hand? It's okay. I know you have. You know you have. What do you do when you sin against somebody? Like, what's your gut reaction? I'll tell you what mine is, and I think I think we're probably all. All along this way, like, like when we sin against somebody, we know we've screwed up. We know we've done wrong. Our, our default position is the same as Adam and Eve. Let's go hide. Let's, let's avoid. Let's stay away from. And even as Christians, God help us. Even as Christians, we, we kind of get in this mentality of like, ah, crap, I sinned today. I can't, I can't spend time talking to the Father. He'll be ashamed of me. How many of you were kids when you were disciplined? I can always tell when Marley has done something wrong. Uh, she's uh, she'll, she's very quiet, kind of keeps her distance. So let, yeah, I'll give you an example. Yesterday I was napping on the couch while Julie was out having coffee. Just me and the children, and I'm letting the children watch themselves as a good father. It's okay. <clears throat> well, I told Marley she could go outside and she could she could play. is 28 degrees. I was like, it's not gonna last long. You can go outside, get you some fresh air. Uh, so she's running in and out, and I'm trying to nap on the couch there and watch at the same time. And um, it's one of those times when you're not really asleep, but, but you're just enough, but you're just enough awake that you can kind of know what's going on. And so Marley had come in at one point, and then I realized that, like, she was opening the door quietly to go outside. And she kind of closes it quietly and so automatically in my mind I'm starting to wake up right I realize something's something's amiss something's off and so I waited like 30 seconds I get up and I kind of go to the back window and I look out and I'm like what's she what's she doing what's she getting into and she's gone she's just (laughs) just not there and so uh, unlike my wife I, I don't freak out I simply let it be and so I wait about four or five minutes and I look out the doors and there she is on the swing. And facing the other way, just kind of swinging, just kind of being quiet by herself. So I wait a few more minutes, and I open the door. I said, hey, can you come inside and let the dog out? And so she comes in, and as she's coming in, I said, hey, where was you? And she immediately her face kind of falls. And I can tell, like Marley's the kind of kid that if you don't tell her to tell the truth, she won't. <laughs> She'll, she'll think of a lie quick. She's very quick-witted, and so she, her face kind of falls, and I can tell, like, her wheels are spinning. What can I say? How can I get out of this mess? And I say, hey, honey, don't lie. Like, I'm not going to be angry. I just want to know where you were. And she says, well, I went about four houses down. Just I wanted to just run and uh, just get out of the backyard for a minute. I said, listen, I don't really care about any of that, but you need to tell me so I know when you're, when you're gone. But the, 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 the reason I tell that entire story is so that because when, when she was found out, when her sin had found her out, when I said, where were you? Her face immediately falls. And it's almost as if she's trying to turn herself away from me in like manner when you and I sin. As Christians in the body of Christ, when you and I sin before a holy God, we often think if, if he asked me, where were you? I just want to run and hide. I just want to, I want to be away. Let me do something better. Let me clean myself up. Let me somehow atone for my own sin. And in that moment when we do that, when we separate from God in our prayer life because of sin in our lives, we, we, we again try to rely on our own salvation, trying to save ourselves as if Jesus' death on the cross wasn't enough. You see, Christian, when you sin you're simply it's not just, when you sin and then try to stay away from God you you show in your heart that that perhaps you've misunderstood the gospel in its entirety you see when God when Christ died on the cross he died for all of your sins past present and future like he knew you were going to sin like i knew marley had like ran out of the yard i already knew It's the death of Christ that actually brings us to a place where we can stand firmly before the presence of our God. So should we pray? Should we pray? Flip over Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. This isn't this isn't a, the prayer in the life of a Christian is not something that's merely an added benefit. As if it's something that you could uh could, could maybe partake of or, or maybe not partake of. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 12. This is Paul talking. He's talking about the marks of the true Christian here in Romans chapter 12. Look at verse 9 with me. He's just, he's just very quick shot. He's giving him boom, 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 boom. He's, here's what he says. He's like, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Listen to this. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. It's just constant in prayer. And that, uh, another way to translate constant here is be devoted to prayer. It's the same word, by the way, that, that Jesus uses, right, when the crowds are crushing in in the uh, Gospel of Mark. and He tells his disciples, go get a boat, secure a boat for me. Because if the crowds come in, they're going to crush us. I need a way of escape. He uses the same word that Paul uses here, translated as constant here. He uses it as devoted in the Gospel of Mark. He says, get a boat that's devoted to me, that's ready for me. But listen, that's, a, that's an object. A boat is an object. Uh, that, that boat doesn't do anything by itself outside just simply being there for the Lord Jesus but in this case, when, when Paul says be constant and be prayer, be devoted to prayer, this is a lifestyle mentality. It's like Acts chapter 1, verse 14. It says, All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brother. Or it's like, where'd it go? I lost my place. or it's like Colossians 4 verse 2 continue steadfast in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving or Ephesians 6:18 it says praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and all supplication listen the, the the life of the believer in the New Testament is not someone who merely gets by skating by never actually praying But rather, it's a group of people, men and women, who have devoted to prayer. Who This doesn't mean, by the way, that all they do all day, all night is simply pray. Although Paul does say that at one point he says, uh, um, continue in prayer, always be in prayer. But it's more than that because there's other things at which God has called us to. So he's not simply saying lock yourself in a room for four hours a day and simply pray your life away. But he is saying in all things, rely on him. Be constant in prayer. Be devoted to prayer. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, the habit of prayer is good, but the spirit of prayer is better. Warren Wearsby, who says, prayer is not something that I do. Prayer is something that I am. Something that I am it 's not something i do it 's something that I am, so go back to Matthew chapter six, because while I feel like like for most of us now like if you 've matured in this, and I say most of us, like understand that I put myself in that category too, like prayer is not something that comes natural or secondhand currently for your pastor. It's something I'm growing in, something the Lord is maturing me in. But for some of you older saints, it's are like, yeah, prayer is easy, pastor. I love it. Spend a lot of time in daily prayer. Listen, amen for you. I need more people like you praying for me in this church. But oftentimes when a sermon on prayer comes up, it can almost be a drive-by guilt, like, like we want you to pray, so therefore pray, do harder, do better. And it can be so crushing And yet, you don't see that in the New Testament. You don't see that. Instead, you see his disciples asking Jesus, teach us to pray. This is Mark's version of the the Lord's Prayer here. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 6. We're just going to spend the rest of our time simply in prayer. Basically, I'm going to, this is going to be awkward, right? You can can kneel in your chair. You can kind of look at me, stare at me. You don't have to close your eyes. You can. Uh, But we're just going to walk through Matthew chapter 6. We're just going to pray it. He's going to pray the Scriptures. One of the best ways, if you're not good at prayer, to simply pray the Scriptures. Read a text and then pray it out. So that's what we're going to do the rest of our time. I told you it's going to be different today, but I feel like this is what the Lord would actually have for us, to actually pray. So this is what the Lord says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. He says, pray then like this. Our Father heaven for the next 30 seconds i simply want you to bow your head and and pray just kicking these words over our father in heaven not in vain repetition but simply realizing that this is the who you're talking to this is the father in heaven so let's let's pray and then i'll come back and close us in a prayer there and we'll move on to the next line Father, you have told us to come before you and when we do we're to utter these words our Father this is a constant reminder to us that you are not some distant far away being separate from our problems, separate from our afflictions but rather that you're familial you're our Father the one who loves us. You're the one who protects us. You're the one who watches over us in all things. As we pray this morning, we long to see your face. We long to be a people who are marked by prayer. Lord, well, let us remember the relationship as you as a father over us, and not simply as my father, but our father which means you have other sons and daughters who you've placed us together with. we come to you together collectively and we say, our Father, let us remember that the reason we pray is because you long to give to your children. And Lord, your position is in heaven. From there you see all you currently reign over all. Let us remember this and be changed by it. Jesus name the next line is hallowed be your name this simply means uh, let the earth let the Lord's name be known as holy another way to think about hallowed be your name is to say "Like let the rain which is the Lord's be spread abroad through the entire world so the next 30 seconds I ask that you simply pray pray to this end hallowed be your name are holy we are not Lord we live in a sinful generation we are surrounded on every side and within by things which would easily set us outside of your love and kindness but Father you loved us you've brought us in you've made a way you've created the bridge of Christ that allows us to come from where we are and go where you are. But Father, I pray, Lord, we would not simply be people who long to just simply go to heaven when we die, but that we would be a people who long to see the nations realize your sovereign reign, realize how holy and righteous and justice you are. I pray, Lord, that you would move in such a way today in our lives and, and use your people to show the world how holy you are, in Jesus' name. Next line says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So for the next 30 seconds, I simply want you to pray this, that, 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 that we would be a people marked by longing to see God's heaven come and be with us. So I, the, think of Jesus, right? And, and as he's going throughout the Gospels, what's he doing? He's he's healing people, he's setting broken things uh, straight, he's er, setting crooked things straight, he's making whole things that were broken. What was he doing? He He was recreating the world in which it was supposed to be. This is what we long for. We pray to be a people who would long to see God's will done in and through our lives. Lord, we don't need to look far to see brokenness around us. Whether it be sickness or sin or some other thing which just doesn't accord with the way in which you've created the world to work. So Father, we pray this prayer this morning. We pray that your kingdom would come. That old things would be created new broken hearts would be replaced and restored. Lord, we pray for your will to be done so easily we would ask in our petitions and our prayers to do what we want. But Father, this morning we we realign on what it is that you want. Not simply as a means by which to escape standing prayer, think, think, well, whatever you do is what you do, Father. But Lord, you... You move when your people pray. Lord, we ask for your will to be done in our lives and in this church, in this community. Lord, we want to see heaven on earth. Because it is in heaven that you reign supremely and that there is no sin. Lord, we long to see that here. And so we ask that you would use us as people of the word, as people of prayer to to bring this to pass in Jesus name next line is give us this day our daily bread listen the Lord knows what you need He, he, he knows what you need and yet he asks to hear from you what you need this is not so much about what the Lord needs to hear but more about what you need to hear and that is that no matter how much money is in your bank account you still have a reliance on the Lord That in the blink of an eye, your entire world can be turned upside down. So spend this next 30 seconds in prayer simply thanking the Lord for His constant daily provision and praying for what you currently need. people. We spend so much time thinking and planning and scheming and strategizing forgetting that you know we need all these things. Forgetting that it's your hand, your hand alone which builds the house. Not to take us away from hard work, but to rely on you in our hard work. So Father, Lord, we, we pray this morning that we would once again be reminded of our own limitations, of our own needs, of our own shortcomings, of our own failings. Pray to be reminded that things such as simple as our daily meals, we need you. We live in a land of plenty and yet that plenty came from you. May we remember this. May we be reminded of this. Lord, even now, all the needs that we currently have, that Lord, we simply bring them to you. We bring our church before you, individuals, sick ones within the church. Pray that you would help them. Help them. Pray that you move mighty. Pray that you would Make your name known, Father. Through the daily needs of our lives. In Jesus' name. Next line says, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is a constant reminder that We still sin. Even in Christ, we still sin. And we still need constant reminders and forgiveness, pleading with the Lord to forgive us our sins. Listen, uh, earlier we talked about, like, what do we do when we sin? Like, our immediate reaction of a mature Christian is not to run from the Father, but to run to the Father when we sin. This includes the sins which we know about and the sins which we don't know about. This includes those that are pressing, like the, when I say, forgive us our sins, no doubt all of you have in mind. Yeah, I need, to, I need forgiveness from the Lord for that. And those are the other ones that perhaps you've simply squished down in your mind, or buried, or perhaps they're blind spots that you're not even aware of. Bring those to the Lord's now. Father, I pray that you would forgive me for all the sins which I know of, the sins I don't like to think about, and the sins which I don't even know I've committed. I pray you would root up in my heart the sin of pride, and that you would put that on the cross and let me realize that you've paid for that sin that you've forgiven that sin. And because of that, because you've paid for all of our sins, every single sin of every single day of all of our lives, we have no reason then to run from you, but all the more reason to run to you. So Father, I pray you would remove the weight of guilt and of shame and of all the things that go along with what happens when we sin against you, that you would put in our heart a love and forgiveness for others. Lord, it's through forgiving others in our hearts that we actually embody the gospel. And forgiving others, Lord, that you enable us to, and this is not easy, Father, we need you to help us, even in that, even in forgiving others who have slighted us or wronged us or talked bad about us, overlooked us, did some injustice to us, Father. Pray that we would be people who would let that go because we have been forgiven much. Amen. In the last line, he says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Ongoing in the walk of the Christian's life is this daily reminder that at any moment... You might trip, you might fall, you may actually walk away from the faith. So Jesus teaches his disciples here to pray, to ask the Father to not lead us into temptation, but to deliver us, to constantly deliver us from evil or the evil one. So let's pray over the next 30 seconds. He would keep our walks pure. He would keep us on the right path. That He would keep us in the hollow of his hand. Father, we again come before you, knowing that if you do not go with us, Father, Lord, then we will surely fail. The flesh which remains in us constantly tries to pull us back constantly tries to bring up who we were before the cross, constantly reminding us of our own shortcomings and our own failings. Father, we pray that you would remind us this morning of the gospel, the forgiveness which is ours in Christ Jesus. And we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit this morning to actually keep us from sinning even more. Lord, we pray for the power of the Spirit this morning to enable our hearts to, to change our desires. That what we once loved, we would no longer love. What we once hated, we would now love, Father. This is not something we can conjure up within ourselves. This is not something in which we can follow a 12-step program to simply become better people. But we need the Spirit in our hearts and in our lives working this out. And so we pray this morning that you would deliver us from temptation, deliver us from evil, Father, and keep us. Keep us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Prayer is the lifeline of a life well lived. It is not something we merely take for granted. It is not something we can get around, but rather is something the Father has called us into. I said in the beginning that we have an open invitation to dinner with the King. Let's realize what we have. Church. Let's give our all to be a, a life, to be a people, to be a, a Christian devoted to prayer, constant in prayer, not out of shame, not out of guilt, but out of love for the Father. I love my wife, and I imagine those of you who are married love your spouse. But if you never spend time with them, do you really love them? Or if all of your conversation is merely "Hi." And by, in passing, merely 10-second snippets or uh, a video clip. What kind of relationship is that? And yet we treat our Father in heaven as if that's enough. There is no time limit on prayer. But the reason I had Nehemiah read in the beginning, Nehemiah chapter 1, is you see this, right? Nehemiah gets, uh, he, he gets the news that the walls in Jerusalem... Have fallen down, and, and, and they lie there. They lie in rubble. And what does Nehemiah do? It says he mourns and he weeps for days. And in that mourning and in that weeping, he's pleading with the Lord. He's he's reminding the Lord of number one his promises that the Lord has promised to his children. But he's also uh, recognizing that they're fallen sin. And he spends days in prayer before the Lord with his face on the ground. So prayer can be multiple days, and yet prayer can also be, as we see in the next chapter, is right before he walks into the king, right? He's, he's the cupbearer of the king, and he says right at the beginning of chapter 2 that, um, that he can't, he can't, he's never shown his face as sad before the king. And yet then the, the king sees his sad face, he says, hey, what's wrong? And immediately he says, and Nehemiah prayed like right there on the spot, probably in his mind, not out loud, a quick 10-second prayer. And So here you have, in the book of Nehemiah, you have these short prayers, and yet you have these day-long prayers. And it takes both. It takes both. Just like in, in dating your spouse, it takes both the long night conversations and the quick, hi, I love you. It takes both. But we are to be people who are devoted to prayer, to be people who are changed by prayer. With that, I'm just going to close. We're going to, we're going to pray one more time and then Philip's going to come and lead us in a song. Let's pray. Father God, we would be reminded of the, the joy which lies before us. Well, the prayer should not be something that is hard. It's, it's as natural as talking to those who we love now. The prayer should be something we can come to you At any moment of any day, no matter where we're at or who we're around or or what we're doing, Father, that we can come to you and we can tell you simply how our hearts are feeling or what we need or simply give you thanks and adoration. Lord, it's prayer that changes us. And so, Father, I pray that right now, wherever we are in our own prayer, maturity, that you would grow us. Although we're new to the faith and have never really spent time in prayer, pray, Lord, that you would show that person how much you long to simply be with them. And for the the person who's been walking with you for 50 years and spends an hour in prayer every day, Father, I pray that even those, uh, those older saints, that you would help encourage them in their prayers to remind them that you long to hear from them and that you move because of the prayers of your people. Father, I pray you would birth this in our church. And we would be a people who are devoted to prayer. Constant in it. There's so many things that we could do by ourselves, Father, but is it worth doing if we can do it without you? We need your help. We need your help to make us a people of prayer.